0: You are listening to the Faith Church Podcast. Learn more about our church at faithinchandler.com. Well, the new year often comes with a time of reflection. and looking forward to a fresh 365 days in which we hope to improve uh, the way we live our lives. Whether by exercising or a new job or a new hobby or diet or relationship or whatever else you feel like can improve your life, For many of us, we look look back on our failures of this past year, um, or the the things that we didn't like that happened, or whatever, and we we look forward uh, to a fresh 365 days where we can, we we call it New Year's resolutions, we're going to do something, we're going to make a commitment and set a goal uh, for something that we are going to do in this new year that's going to change the way that we live. Um, Maybe you look back and see um, in this past year, Um, illness or death maybe you see uh, you're going through your taxes right now and you're wondering where did the money go Um, maybe it was a failure to love your husband or wife in a way that you needed to but whatever it was um, whether 2018 was amazing or horrible it's about to be over and there's a new year Um, so as we come to 2019 uh, we, we are ready to brace ourselves and be ready for whatever it throws at us. Uh, this is a time whenever we make resolutions. Um, and this also begs the question, did I make a commitment last year? <laughs> did I make a New Year's resolution last year? And if so, what were they? Now, if you're like me and you had to ask those questions, as if you had to do that right now, then you know that you probably didn't keep those resolutions, right? <laughs> um, we probably didn't meet our goals. Uh, whenever I think back on New Year's resolutions, I can remember like a, a few times um, whenever I was younger, like making weight loss goals or something like that. Um, and I don't remember what happened at that. But there's one goal that I remember that I actually kept, all right? I, I, made, I was listening to a guy preach, and he gave this uh, illustration that he had, he had made the resolution to finish a tube of chapstick. And I was like that is a good one <laughs> uh, that seems that seems like something I can do maybe I I mean if you guys know me then you know that I lose things all the time uh, so it's actually a pretty big goal um, and I think it was 2014 or 15 whatever I made this goal and I think it took me about a year and a half but I finished a tube of chapstick. and I it had been washed several times and everything but it, it happened alright so I met the goal um, But we we we're at this time of the year um, and and even other times we're we're prone to make commitments to make goals. Uh, We can decide to do a lot of different things. We're really good at deciding to do something. But we're not as great at follow through. What I want to talk to you about this morning is breaking this cycle of making commitments and then not following through. like a person who's always apt to volunteer and say that they're willing to help and never makes good on their word, we make huge commitments. We pray mountain-sized prayers, and then we forget about them, and we do nothing about it. Uh, we, we forget we ever did it. Um, our success stories, the, the times and looking beyond chapstick-sized goals, uh, whenever we have had great success in this life... Um, It's not ever been about our accomplishments and what we've done, but rather about God's grace and love towards us. Uh, We can't claim success. We can't be successful without God. Um, And I want to tell you a story of a a group of people who did just this. Uh, They were called the Children of Israel or the Jewish People. The Jews left their homeland during famine, but their visit became home after many years, uh, whenever they were in Egypt. But when a new Egyptian king came to power, who didn't remember uh, the friendship that past kings has had with Israel, uh, he did not deal with the Israelites kindly and even saw them as a threat to the kingdom. So the Egyptians limited the reproduction of um, the Jewish people. He, he said, if you have a baby boy, you need to throw him in the Nile. All right? And that was the law of the land. If you have a child who is a boy, you need to throw that boy in the Nile. Um, God was obviously very displeased with this and sent a man named Moses uh, to deliver them from Egypt. Uh, and if you know the story, you know that Moses was thrown in the Nile, right? But in a basket that was made to, be to where it would float, and he finds his way um, to an Egyptian, the Egyptian king's daughter who then raises him and god raises up moses to be the person who is going to save his people from egypt so he delivers them from egypt and back into the land that god had promised and through just absolutely miraculous events god proved that he was the one true god he alone is worthy of worship fear time and praise but most importantly he proved that he was faithful to his promises. God had promised that He would make them a great nation and a blessing to all nations. He was not going to let the most powerful man on earth get in His way. He miraculously brought the Israelites through the Red Sea and to the mountain where He promised to meet with them. Every step of the way, the Israelites forgot what God had done. Um, even even after they had just crossed the Red Sea, they they so God literally parts an entire sea, and they walk through it on dry land, and they get to the other side and they're like, "Man, I'm hungry." We had food in egypt we don't have food out here i wish we were back in egypt and so god's just saved them from this army and from their their boys are being killed uh they're, they're having to make bricks without straw there are all these horrible things happening and they they soon forget that it's god who delivered them from this situation and god provides for them he provides uh what the the bible calls manna and it's like this bread that just kind of shows up every morning and they go out and they, they pick up bread and it's enough for the day um, and it, they sustain they're sustained by this water that God brings in the desert and by bread that God just makes magically appear and God is providing for them and then they they continue to forget and they continue to forget. Um, but here in Exodus 19, we reach the point where they've already gone through this back and forth, but God has finally said, all right' I'm going to meet with Moses and I'm going to give you these this law and this promise that i'm going to make with you we're going to join hands together and we're going to have this agreement this covenant is what it's called and it's man and god joining together in an agreement all right and this is this is what is said all right so look at exodus 19 1 through 9 in the third month when the children of israel were gone forth out of the land of egypt the same day uh, came they into the wilderness of sinai for they were departed from Rephidim and they, and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness and there Israel camped about the mount. And Moses went up unto God and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain saying, thou shalt, uh, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob and to the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bare you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore... If ye will obey my voice, indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak to the children of Israel. And Moses came and called the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words that the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, and the people may hear what it, when I speak to thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. All right, so here's, we're going to say that over here is this mountain. Moses goes to the mountain. All right, he receives these famous tablets that we even have on our uh, Supreme, the Supreme Court courthouse right in, in dc and it, it kind of covers it's on a lot of different images the the ten commandments and several other commandments are given to moses moses gets these from god he he gets uh, what those commandments are going to be he takes them to the people of israel um, and it, he, he takes them to the leaders and to the people as a whole and they say yeah we're going to do all these things that sounds great all right and moses is like awesome that's what we wanted So he goes back to God and he tells God and God says that's awesome I'm gonna meet with you here and it's gonna be like a thundercloud over top of this mountain and whenever you come up and it's so that all the people know that I'm meeting with you and I'm giving you these words right so they're gonna they they know because of all the things that I've done but they also know because they can see that I am present here on this mountain I'm meeting with you all right so this is this is the state of things. And what do they say? They say, "Yeah, let's do it. Like this is this is perfect." Um, have you ever been in way over your head in something you committed to do? Think back. Yeah, I I've, I've been there. All right. Um, so have I. The the story that I think of whenever I think of someone in way over their head, and actually I just think of this story all the time, and I think I've mentioned it maybe every time that I preached here, is the Lord of the Rings. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is the story of Frodo Baggins and Samwise Ganji Uh, Frodo has been given this one ring by his uncle this is the one ring to rule them all Uh, there have been 19 made 19 rings that are made so that they can rule the world the elves the dwarves mankind they're all given these rings and they can rule the world but then there's dark magic that's used to, to make this one ring that rules all the other rings and it's more powerful but luckily all of all of these different groups of people the dwarves the elves men they all unite against the person with the one ring Sauron and they defeat him and they take the ring but the ring causes death and heartache everywhere it goes the, whenever man gets the ring the man actually becomes corrupt um, and the, he's killing other people he's full of pride and and envy there's envy going around like people want the ring and it passes through several hands and then it kind of fades into obscurity. And then a guy named Bilbo picks up the ring, all right? And he's just kind of like this lowly guy that is pretty insignificant for the most part. And he uses it for tricks and to, to just do things, adventure and whatever. And it eventually falls in the hands of Frodo, all right? This is an actual place in New Zealand, which is really cool. You could go to this place. But this is Hobbiton, all right? It's the Shire. Uh, this is where they shot it, in New Zealand. Um, and this is where Frodo, Bilbo, and Samwise, Gamgee they come from, all right? So they, they live in the Shire, and it's this place that's so peaceful, and it's rural, and like the biggest adventure that they get into is whenever they, they go and they like, take somebody's corn out of their field, and that type of thing. And that's all, about all that happens. It's, it's a pretty um, peaceful place, and it's just like a, the picturesque fun and uh, it's, it's like Mayberry. It's, you know, it's just absolutely peaceful. All right. So um, whenever Frodo gets this ring, <laughs> remember all the pain and death that's, that's been caused. He has no idea what he has. All right. They, they end up going to this council. All right. So they go to this council. This is called the Council of Elrond. And it's the longest chapter in the book. And I think... I spent a whole year in this chapter. <laughs> and, then, and then I finally got past it and it was awesome. But um, they're, they're meeting with all these elf kings or uh, lords or whatever um, and dwarves and their people, all right? So all these great men and, and elves and dwarves are all meeting together and they've got to decide, what are we going to do with this ring? We have to destroy the ring. And so in the middle of this great meeting, to take care of the most important thing in all of Middle Earth, uh, Frodo and Sam stumble in, and they've got the Ring, and they're like, "We'll do it. We'll take care of the Ring. It can only be destroyed in one place, which is 1,500 miles away, in one particular mountain, thrown into the lava, and that is the only place it can be destroyed." And they're like, "Yeah, we'll do it." They have no idea what they're committing to. They're in way over their heads. Just, just picture uh, like a a couple of people from Southern Indiana. Stumbling into a UN meeting, um, and and saying, "Yeah, we're going to take care of all the all of ISIS." Like that's that's about the enormity of this this problem. All right, so they're in way over their heads. This is the Israelites' eagerness to keep all of God's laws. They were excited and ready to go. They make a huge commitment because of their belief in God. He's done so much for them. They're so excited to make um, to make this these changes in their lives and to keep his law so they all answered together we they said we will represent you to the world we will do anything you've done everything for us all right now i want you to turn in your bibles to exodus 32 exodus 32 We're going to look at 1 through 6. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we know not what is become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people brake off their golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool, after he had made a, a molten calf. And they said, "These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt." And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, "Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord." And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. All right, so, quiz. Did they do all that the Lord commanded them? No, this is like the biggest failure in the world. Um, they literally broke three of the first 10 right away. Like, <laughs> just right away in this whole thing. Um, this is like a husband agreeing to the covenant of marriage. All right, so think about this. Imagine a husband and wife getting married. They they go through the whole ceremony. They they've spent all this time together in their relationship. They, let's say they've dated for two years. Now they're getting married. They're off on their honeymoon. Um, they go to Cancun, Mexico. Doesn't really matter. They that's where they go. All right, so that's that's where they are. They've spent their wedding night together on their honeymoon, and then the next day. The husband says, or the the wife says, I'm going to go out and get some groceries so that we have food to eat here. And she goes out and she's picking out the stuff that they need, you know, and she comes back, and in the hotel room is her husband and another woman. All right? This is exactly what the state of things was whenever Moses returns from the mountain. And what does he find? But the children of Israel are worshiping another God. They've, they've cheated on God. They said, we're going to keep all that you've done, all the commands that you've given us. You have been so good to us. God said, to the, he, we, I raised you up on eagles' wings and brought you out of the land of Egypt. And it was almost that miraculous. It was almost like they just flew right out. I mean, God did everything for them. And they, they immediately turned to another god. They made a golden calf statue, and they were worshiping this god. Um. And, it, and not only that, but the, the end of that implies sexual sin that was going to take place in this worship of this golden calf. So this is what Moses returns to after he's just met with God. All right? this, this is completely cheating on God. Um, this marriage, marriage-like covenant promise relationship is precisely what the, the Israelites had entered into with God. So whenever he finds them worshiping another god, he finds them being unfaithful, not keeping all that God had said, breaking the covenant. God had mercy on the Israelites because of Moses' appeal to God's covenant promise to Abraham. He was determined to make them a light to the world, a city on a hill, somebody where all the other nations would look and they would see Israel. Those are the people of God, the one true God, God was determined to do that so he did not destroy them as he had destroyed um, all of humanity except for Noah um, in the flood as he had done before. This wasn't beyond something that God would do. But God saves them. God has mercy on them. They would see and know that Israel worshipped the one true God. They were to be the light to the nation so God held back from destroying them and starting over again. Now this cycle continues throughout the Bible. The people of God commit to serve God and to be the outlet of his promises, but then they cheat on God. They break the covenant, and they worship other gods. They're extremely unfaithful. They fail over and over again to keep their side of the bargain. God, knowing this would happen, has a bigger plan in store. People were too fickle, too affected by sin to hold up their side of the bargain. So God sent his unique and perfect son to do what the Israelites were never able to do. So if you could turn to one last passage, this is Romans 8. Romans 8. In Romans 8, 3 through 4, says for what the law for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh god sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit at the end of the three books or movies whichever you choose for lord of the rings um, Hopefully you choose one of those. You learn of Sam and Frodo's six-month journey to Mount Doom, where they're going to destroy the ring. They've traveled nearly 1,400 miles. This is like going from here to El Paso, Texas. It's a long journey. So you read three books or watch three movies, and those are like two-and-a-half-hour movies, so you've spent seven-and-a-half hours watching this huge journey of what, what they had to go through to get to Mount Doom. Um, they reach the goal. They finally get there. They're at the edge of Mount Doom, the only place where this evil ring can be destroyed. And Frodo is too weak to go any further. Frodo, the one who bore the ring, he's the one who's carrying it all the way there. He can't go any further. He passes out at the foot of the mountain. It seems that darkness will prevail over these would-be heroes, but Sam completes what Frodo could not. He takes the ring bearer um, on his shoulders and literally carries him up Mount Doom. All right? And this is, uh, Sam also traveled 1,600 miles. He's not tired. I, I, mean, I mean, it's not like he's not tired, but he carries him up Mount Doom and does what Frodo could not. Right? And they destroy the ring and the world is saved and it's this huge happy ending and it's really cool. Awesome story. I think it's one of the best stories ever told. And I think the reason it's one of the best stories ever told is because it reflects the greatest story ever told. And that's the story of Jesus. Because while we were like Frodo, passed out, unable to do what we need to do, we've got this huge task of living the good life, living as the humans that we should live to be, We're passed out. We're unable to do it. And Jesus took us on our shoulder. He takes our sin and our shame, and while we were still sinners, he bears it all on the cross and dies for our sins. This is the greatest story ever told. He intervenes in our failure to be the people we need to be. He gives us new life in him when we surrender our lives to him. He not only saves us, but he sustains us. He fills us with his spirit who gives us the power to live as Jesus' followers. We are able to live life in this new way only through him. He's the source of our success, our strength, our peace, our everything. Falling back on our ability gets us nowhere. It didn't matter how much Frodo felt like he, he could be the guy to get it done. He was incapable whenever he came down to it. He would have died there at the foot of the mountain. But Frodo carries him on his shoulders and takes him up. But Sam carries him up. So here's the question. If we believe what this verse says, if we believe that Jesus did what the law could not do, that uh, it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law would be fulfilled in us, it says... Uh, we walk after who we walked after the flesh and not after the spirit, but God gives us freedom in the spirit through His Son, through the work that his son has done so if we believe this, if we believe that Jesus has the power uh, to do what we couldn 't do to make us the people that we need to be, then how does Monday reflect this right I, I had you on the, on that bulletin if you haven 't done that already, then that 's going to be your homework um, but what does your schedule look like? What's your average Monday? right? For me, 6 a.m. is nothing. I don't typically get up that early. but um, Yours is going to look unique to you. Okay. Does your Monday reflect that you believe that Jesus is the only one capable of carrying you through this life? If we really want to do more than just be enthusiastic in a moment, to be more than just those Foolish Israelites who are like, Yeah, I'm gonna do everything that I need to do, or or we're here at the beginning of the year, and it's like, I'm gonna pray every day. Right? You're not gonna pray every day if you keep up the same schedule that you've kept this past year in 2018. There have to be things that are removed in order for you for you to add something to what you already are doing. And this happens in the monotony of life, not in the grandiose reflection moments like we're going to have for New Year's. Right? We we look forward to this this great big year, but it really happens on Monday. It happens in the daily grind. What are you going to do that looks different? We have to actually surrender our lives to Jesus. He'll bring us success um, in being better husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, children, friends, workers, servants, givers, all of this. It's only in faith in Jesus that we can have success and that we we can live that good life, and that we have true life. In him, we become more than our failures and mistakes. We become his. Everything we do, we do out of faith in him. So, what does your average day reflect about your faith in Jesus? Do you truly trust him with your life? Or does it look like life is pretty much just centered on you? and that you're the one who's capable of doing it all. I want to give you three ways to show your dependence on Jesus. The first one is to set aside time for reading, praying, and thinking on Scripture, meditating on Scripture. The second is to actually give your worries, goals, and problems over to God in prayer. Prayer isn't just a time whenever we're like, oh man, I've got a big interview I need to pray about. This is a time whenever all that stuff that weighs heavy on you, all the anxiety the pressures of this life, all the, all the problems that you deal with on a day-to-day basis, we, we give them over to God and we, we focus on somebody other than ourselves, the one who can bear it all. So that's what we can do um, in prayer. So that's the second way. And then the third way is to get plugged into a group. In a group, you can be heard. You can be cared for. You can be prayed for. You have your needs ministered to. And you're reminded constantly Of Jesus' work. You're reminded of who Jesus is and what He's done for you. So these are the three things that I want to encourage you to do. But let's pray and let's consider. What are we holding back? What are we trust where in our lives are we trusting in our own ability? Where are we truly giving up everything (coughs) to follow Jesus? Because He's the only one who can bear it. God, thank you sending your son. Lord, we, we just celebrated a season where we spent a great deal of time thinking about what you've done and sending your son uh, to this earth. But God, we know that the culmination of that story is in the cross and in the resurrection. And God, we, we know that you bore our sins. You carried our shame. And Lord, you, you give us new life in you. We're not bound by our sin, but we're rather free in your spirit. And God, I pray that we will live lives every day that reflect that reality. God, I pray that you'll show us the things that we need to change in our day-to-day life. Lord, show us the areas of our life that we're holding back and the ways where we're, we're depending too much on ourselves. Lord, help us to depend on the only one who can carry it all. Um, Lord, we, we thank you for what you've done. And we praise you, and we give our lives over to you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.